I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Second Peter on uh, this uh, first Sunday in February. We'll be in First Peter, Second Peter, chapter one, verses twelve through fifteen. 2 Peter chapter 1, 12 through 15. I'm going to read this passage, then say a short word of prayer, and then we're going to get into a message today that I've entitled, Always a Reminder from 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. Here's how God's Word reads, beginning at verse 12, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Father, I thank you for the uh, morning that you've blessed us with. and Lord, I just thank you for the church that is the, the house of God. It is the pillar and and foundation of the truth and lord through the church you are holding forth the truth and god in the church you are giving a foundation for the truth and i thank you for that we come today together today and because we are established in the present truth and lord we are glad to proclaim it knowing that that truth is ultimately found in jesus christ him crucified and risen again on the third day and the only means of salvation for lost sinners. God, we, we're thankful, Lord, today that we can gather in Jesus' name and because of His merit and because of His uh, death, burial, and resurrection. We have no other way to You besides Jesus. So, Father, it's through Jesus that we come today. It's through Him that we gather. And I pray, Father, that for the sake of Your Son, Jesus Christ, You would bless us today greatly in the hearing of Your Word. I pray, Father, that your word would not return to you void, but it would accomplish that which you please. In Jesus' name, amen. Always a reminder, as we've gone through this letter so far, these first, this first chapter, since the beginning of the year, I hope that you have learned some things, but I hope that you've also been reminded of some things today, or, or over these last few weeks, as we have looked at uh, this letter together. Remember, Second Peter is written to a group of Christians who are facing false teaching and the potential that they would give into that false teaching and fall away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ, which they had once believed. This chapter or these verses uh, is emphasizes uh, reminders, as I have entitled this, always a reminder. You can look here at verse 12, and you see he would not be negligent to remind. And then in verse 13, stir you up by reminding you. And then in verse 15, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. So Peter's working hard to this end to give them a reminder. And reminders is something that we need. Our smart devices provide us with all kinds of reminders these days. To walk, to eat, to exercise, to calm down, to get up, to work, to get, to get up and go, to get a gift, to take out the trash, and maybe even to wash our hands. We need reminders constantly about things. Parents remind their children constantly. And one of those things that I recently heard was a, about a, a mom 
as many parents do, remind their children, I think probably moms more particularly, remind their children to wash their hands. Even one saying, you know, sing the happy birthday song while you wash your hands, and it is necessary to use water and soap while you're doing that. And so reminders are necessary. Aren't you glad that we don't have to teach our children something new every time that they leave, but often we just remind them. Or every time they go to wash their hands, we don't have to teach them how to wash their hands. We just have to remind them how to do it the right way. Uh, Parents are very concerned about these things. We all know what that is like. Sometimes I say to my children, in order for me to be a responsible parent, I guess I should say to you before they are going to do this or that. So we remind them. Jesus reminded his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 9. He says, do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves, loaves and the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? Not the seven uh, loaves, nor the, se- nor the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets you took up. And then in second Peter, Paul writing to Timothy said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Here in 2 Peter 3, 1, we're going to see that Peter writes to them in order to stir up their pure minds by way of reminder. And it goes without saying the Old Testament where kings and also the nation as a whole or for the most part, forgot God on occasion. As you're reading through the Old Testament, I would recommend that you pay attention to that because it is something that comes up quite often. They had forgotten their God. John Stott said, Although 2,000 years of church history have elapsed, there is a sense in which every generation of Christians is only the second generation. We do not have the direct knowledge and experiences of the first generation, which is why Peter takes such care to pass his experiences on to us. But neither are we at such a distance from the apostles that we need other teachers and interpreters. Martin Lloyd-Jones, that great Peter of that great preacher of the day gone past, said that the business of the church and of preaching is not to present us with new and interesting ideas. It is rather to go on reminding us of certain fundamental and eternal truths. And that's a lot what pastoral ministry is. It is constantly reminding of eternal truths and fundamental truths. There's an ancient prayer that goes like this, that does characterize most churches. It goes like this. From the cowardice that shrinks from new truth, from the laziness that is content with half-truth, from the arrogance that thinks it knows all truth, God of truth, deliver us. So Peter works hard in these verses to remind his readers. And that's why we come here to 12 through 15. If you'll look at this, we see these... Uh, first person pronouns in verse 12 he says i will not be negligent in verse 13 yes i think it is right as long as i am in this tent verse 14 knowing that shortly i 
must put off my tent. And then in verse 15, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder. You see, Peter is emphasizing he is... um, He is emphasizing his role and his importance in reminding the church of these fundamental responsibilities that we have seen already. So let's work through this passage together today. I have three points for you. The first one is this, and these are focusing on Peter because this passage is really focusing on him and the reminders that he is giving. So first of all, I want you to see that the Apostle Peter is a pastor. The Apostle Peter is a pastor. In verse 12, he says, I will not be negligent. In other words, he's going to be the opposite. He would not be what the opposite of diligence is. The opposite of being diligent would be to be negligent. But Peter says, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. What are these things? It is that uh, dutiful responsibility that we have as believers to add to our faith. And it goes along with that, the security of the believer once or when a person is walking with the Lord and being diligent to add to their faith, the Lord gives a sense of security, making our calling and election sure. Peter would not be negligent. He writes, uh, reminds them always of these things, though, he says, you know and are established in the present truth. I want to remind you, and if you're taking notes this morning, you can write down these verses. Luke 22, verses 31 through 32. In that passage, you remember that Peter was, the Lord Jesus spoke to Peter and said to him, Luke 22, 31 through 32, I'll read it aloud for you. It says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren So Peter's told that he's going to be sifted like wheat by the devil. But Jesus says to him, I've prayed for you so that when you have returned, you'll strengthen the brethren. You see, what Peter is doing here is he's continuing to do what Jesus told him he would do. He is continuing to strengthen the brethren. That's why he's given these reminders. But we see also in another passage you can write down is in John 21, 15 through through 17. John 21, this comes after Jesus had been denied by Peter three times. And here in John 21, Jesus being raised from the dead, meeting with the disciples on the seashore, he uh, addresses Peter directly and he says to him, and the passage says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. And then in verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You see, Peter is a pastor. And as he writes here 
in 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15, he is writing as a pastor who says, I will not be negligent to feed the sheep which Jesus has commissioned me and appointed me to feed. We see also in 1 Peter chapter 5, you might want to turn there, it's just a couple of pages over, 1 Peter 5. At the beginning of the chapter, Peter writes here to the elders, but you notice what he says at the beginning of it. The elders, 1 Peter 5, 1, the elders who are among you I exhort who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And then in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So he comes as a pastor, one who is shepherding the flock, who has this responsibility of taking care of the flock, making sure that they are healthy and that they are cared for. And frankly, a lot of times for pastors, as it would be for Peter and even pastors today, sheep are scattered or they want to scatter. That little poem that I read to you earlier, we see cowardice, we see laziness, and we see arrogance. And you see, and that can be all in a congregation sitting in the seats even that are here today. We are cowardly because we do not want to hear new truth. Not that it's new, but it's new to us because it kind of gets us out of our box of what we've been used to. And also laziness because we are content with half-truths. We are content with going down the railroad track on one track rather than having both tracks there. We love the uh, doctrines of predestination and election, but maybe we don't want to hear anything about my responsibility to add to my faith diligently. You see, we need both tracks in the Christian life, not just one. And then there is arrogance where there are those who may be sitting in the, in the pews who say, I know everything already. There's no need to, to, to listen. I've read through the Bible. I've heard the stories. There's nothing more that I could possibly learn. And we look to the clock and see what time church is going to be over rather than seeking to hear from the Word of God together. You see, there's a lot that pastors must fight through. There's a lot that teachers must fight through and be diligent through. And Peter realizes, I will not neglect. I'm going to continue to remind you, even though, as you look there at Second Peter chapter 1, he says, even though you know and are established in the present truth. We're going to see in verses 2, 14, and then chapter 3, verse 16, that there are unstable men who want to twist the Scriptures and want to take that and use it to their advantage rather than rightly dividing the Word of God. And it is the, the opposite of being established in the present truth. I want to ask you this morning, before I go on from here, are you established in the present truth? Are you established in the gospel of Jesus Christ? That gospel that alone is able to save sinners. There is no other way. 
There is no other means. It's only through Christ and Him alone, the Son of God who died for sinners and rose again on the third day. And in that truth which we stand in, which we are established in, we do not leave that faith off by itself, but we've already seen in this that we add to it. We're diligent to add to the precious faith that we have in Jesus Christ. But do you have that faith? If today you realize that you do not, I invite you to come to Christ and believe in Him. Because if you think that you'll get to heaven in any other way, you might as well as be hugging the wind because you're going to have nothing to go along with it afterwards but an eternity separated from the grace and mercy of God. I invite you today to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust Him as your Savior. Our second point today is this, that the Apostle Peter is persistent. We see this in verse 13 because he says there, Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. I love the phrasing at the beginning of that verse. He says, I think it's right. You know, and you see the persistence in the next phrase, as long as I am in this tent. So in other words, he says, as long as I'm in this body, as long as I dwell in this body of flesh, I am going to do what I can to remind you because I know that it is right to do so. The word for ten is tabernacle. It's actually the same word that's used in Matthew 17 for the tabernacle that that Peter asked to build for Jesus and Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. But you see here that he wants to stir them up by reminding them. The word stir up means to awaken or to arouse. He wants to refresh their memory. Have you ever had to be shaken a little bit to be woken up? Anybody? I know that I have. Some of you look like you need to be shaken this morning. But shaken a little bit to be woken up. Peter's saying that I want to do that. I want to shake you to wake you up. To, to remind you of the truths that I've shared with you. He says, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to do it as long as I can. The word here for stir up is the word that's found in John six eighteen, where it says, then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. That was on the Sea of Galilee. Warren Wiersbe has said, Peter knew that our minds have a tendency to get accustomed to the truth and tend to take it for granted. We forget what we ought to remember, and we remember what we ought to forget. See, just because they knew and were established in the truth did not mean that they always would be. If they began to neglect diligence in their spiritual lives, bad things could happen. Peter knew this well. In his experience of denying Christ three times, it seems like no doubt must have been in the back of his mind as he's writing to these recipients. And I wonder even if, I wonder even if this, the life of Judas did not impact Peter. One of the twelve disciples, Judas even being a, the treasurer. You don't give somebody the money that you don't trust. He was trusted. But yet... He, he betrayed the Lord Jesus. So Peter's not taking anything for granted. Over in 2 Peter 3.1, take a, take a look at that real quick, if you would, please. In 2 Peter 3.1, he says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle 
in the parentheses, it says, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. 2 Peter 3, 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which to stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. All right, let's go to our third point. So we've seen that the Apostle Peter is a pastor. We've seen that the Apostle Peter is a is persistent. We've got some pleasant peas here this morning in our outline. And then number three, we've got the Apostle Peter is passing away. In verse 14 and 15, it says, Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So Peter knew that his time was coming. If you want to write down a reference, uh, again, to go with this, you can write down John chapter 21, verses 18 through 19. I meant to give you all a little quizzy poo on that this morning to see if anybody knew where Jesus' discussion with Peter about his death was found, but we'll forego that now that I've already given you the answer to the quiz. But in John 21, verses 18 and 19, Jesus was talking to Peter right after he restored him those three times. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then in verse 19, it says, this he spoke signifying By what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Real briefly, history tells us that Peter died under the persecution and reign of Nero. And it would have been before 68, I think June of 68. Because Nero was, I believe, um, either committed suicide or was assassinated then in 68. So Peter's death would have occurred before then. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically how Peter died. Even though history tells us that Peter uh, did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was crucified. So he requested to be crucified upside down. Now we have... John 21 that tells us about his death, but frankly, in my reading that, I don't see anything about him being crucified upside down. But history does tell us that. So Peter knew that his time was coming, just like Jesus said. You see there in verse 14 of 2 Peter 1.14, he says, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. And that would take us back to John 21, 18 through 19. Now to finish up, Moreover, in verse 15, he says, I will be careful. You see that word careful is the same word that's used in verse 5 or a same root word is found in verse 5 and the same word or similar to it in verse 10. Just where he says to them, giving all diligence add to your faith. And then in verse 10, uh, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Here he is saying in verse 15, I will be more diligent. I will be more careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things 
after my decease. So uh, that same word diligent or careful is used in those three verses here in this first chapter. So how can he ensure a reminder after his death? Did Peter know that he was writing the word of God that would make up the New Testament canon? In other words, did Peter know he was writing the Bible as he was writing this thing? And that it would be the equivalent to the Old Testament scriptures? The answer to that question is yes, he did know that. Did he know perhaps that as he was being a source for Mark to write his gospel, that that history of Jesus' life he was in large part responsible for because he's the one who gave Mark the information most likely for Mark's gospel? Yes, he believed these things to be inspired scripture. Why do you say that? Well, I'll show you. If you'll look over at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 2. Aren't you glad we don't have to play the gossip game with the Bible? Think of what a mess it would be in. You know, where somebody tells something, states a sentence, or gives a statement, and then by the time it gets around, the statement's completely different. That's not the way God's truth is, and that's not the way the Bible is. God has preserved His Word, and it has been written. Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven, the Scripture says. But we see here in 2 Peter 3, 2, he says that you be mindful of the words which were spoken. So he wanted them, verse 1, to have a reminder of, um, of those things. But in verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, the Old Testament prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. You see, he is taking the Old Testament writings and then the New Testament writings by the apostles that's currently being formed, and he's saying, you can look to both of these, and I want you to be mindful of both of these, because they are both the inspired Word of God. They are both God-breathed. And then you can go over to verse 16. In verse 16, he's writing here about Paul's writings, actually. And it says in verse 16, as uh, we're chapter 3, verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So he's taking here and making the epistles of Paul, his writings, equivalent with the scriptures of the Old Testament. And he says people are twisting them both. So that is just a little taste right here in Peter's second letter of how he views his writings. So we see in verse 15, he says, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. Why? Because I'm writing it down. And then he says, After my decease. In the uh, Gospel of Luke, Peter happened to be one of those disciples. Anybody remember who the other two were who were on the Mount of Transfiguration? Who were the other two? You got Peter. That's right, Dorothy. James and John. They were all there. Does anybody know what 
Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about? They were talking to him, and we only learned this in Luke's gospel. They were talking to him about his decease. And it's the same word that Peter uses here. Where the body will be left, the soul will leave the body. It is a passing away from the body. And Peter here knows that in the day that his decease comes, that he will be with the Lord And perhaps, I'm sure, he is looking forward to that day when that time finally arrives. As you think about your life and your decease, we know, don't we, that it is appointed unto man once to die. Every person in here is going to die. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns in our lifetime, every person will pass from this body. You'll leave it. And as you think about your own life, are you living a life right now that you're not going to regret on that day? You see, Peter didn't want any regrets. He said, I'll be careful. I'll not be negligent. I'll always give you a reminder. When you get ready to die on that day, whenever your day comes, are you going to look back on your life and say, man, I wish I'd have lived it differently? Or are you living your life right now in such a way that you would have wished you would have lived it on the day that you pass from this body and go to the next life? The only way you can be sure of eternal life, as I've already told you, is through our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Him today? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I am grateful for it. I'm grateful for men like Peter that you inspired to write it. That your Holy Spirit moved to write it. Father, I thank you that this word is forever established in heaven. Father, I'm thankful that we don't have to go by hearsay or speculation. But the truth that is in Jesus has been recorded for us to understand, for us to be reminded, for us to learn. So, Father, I'm, I thank you for that. I thank you for the example of Peter that he didn't want to waste his life. He didn't want to shirk responsibilities that were his. But he faced them head on. And he fulfilled them. I do pray, Lord, that we'll learn from his example. That we too will be careful. And that we will not be negligent with what you have given us in this life. But I pray, Lord, that the seed of the word that's been planted in our hearts. That it would produce every bit that it should in our lives. And for anyone who's lost without Christ today and needs to confess Jesus as Savior and repent of sins and follow Him in believer's baptism, I pray, Lord, that they will just obey Your Word. Give them grace that they may do so. In Jesus' name, amen.